How many know Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith? What is he? The author and the finisher of our faith. And if you got faith, you got it from him or you don't have it. If you don't have faith, it's because you ain't received it. Because he gives to every man the measure of faith. It's a gift of God. So we're going to finish that. We started. And so, you know, the scripture says, by grace are you saved, what? Through faith. And that faith is not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See how little punctuation can change the meaning of a verse? For so long we said, for by grace are you saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. But see, even the faith that he gives you to get saved is not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Amen? For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God hath before ordained before the world that we should what? Walk in them. Walk in him. You know, Paul said in Galatians 2, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Living by the life of another. We talked about that weeks back. We, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. See, we're living by Christ, we're living in Christ, and we're living, by, we're living by the life of another, and we're living by the faith of another. See, that's the key to this whole new realm, is learning to live by the life of another. See, are we all in? He wants us to be in him. You know, I was at a team meeting for a walk to Mass we're doing in, in October, the last of October. And uh, Bo Williams made a statement that said 93 times, it says in the scriptures, in him, referring to Christ, being in Christ, 93 times. Well, we looked it up. We had Kent with us this morning, so we challenged the figures. And so I wanted them right. So Kent looked it up, and 122 times it says in him. Paul is always saying, listen, everything we have is in Christ. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principalities and powers. In him. Everything we have is in him. And so, and also I said, well, look up in whom. You know, it says in whom we have. Christ. Well, that was 43 times. And also the word in Christ, 78 times. You think Paul was trying to make a statement about something? That everything we have is in him. In him we live, we move, and we have our being. And as Eric said a while ago, that word in the Greek, we have our being, is we are. In him we are. That's right. Hey, we just are. If you're in him. And see, that's the key to this whole thing. The whole key to Christianity is supernatural from start to finish. There's nothing natural about it. I mean, everything that when we started this, we started in the spirit, and everything we're going to do in the between times is going to be in the spirit. It's all about the new creation in Christ Jesus. You know, in Jeremiah, turn with me to Jeremiah. I want to read something here. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 18. Father, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, we just ask you, give us ears to hear. We just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in their lives and what you've done in their lives and what you're going to do in their lives. And we thank you, Father, that it's all about you and not about us. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there will I will cause you to hear my words. You see that word cause? 
You can't even hear the word unless he calls it. Give me an amen. amen. I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made was marred in the hands of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make it. It was marred in his hands, so he made another. How many of you know you're another? You're not who you were. We were marred, and he's made us another. In the hands, you are with the clay, he's the potter with the clay. And it was marred in his hands, so he didn't just make that pot, he made another. That's the new creation. He was marred in his hands. You know, I thought about that word marred. I'd heard it before. You know, in Isaiah 52, when he's speaking of Jesus, that's, that's worth turning to. Sometimes I don't turn to him, but this time I think I will, since it's so close to Isaiah 53. Anytime you get close to Isaiah 53. <clears throat> and really, you look at this. If you want to read Isaiah 53, you ought to really start in Isaiah 52, 13, and then read on through 53. It says, Behold my servant, verse 13, shall deal prudently. He will be exalted and extolled very high. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man. How many of you know Jesus was marred in the hand of the potter? Did you get it? It was the Father. It pleased God to crush him. To make his soul an offering for our sins. <clears throat> he was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The king shall shut their mouth at him. They which have not been told them, they shall see. That which they have not heard, they shall hear and consider. Who hath believed the report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? See, Jesus was marred so we could be made whole. We were made another. See, in him, everything we have is in him. He was the firstborn of being among many more new glorified sons and daughters. But he is, he is the one. He is the captain of our salvation. And it pleased God to let him suffer to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. So he could make us into another. See, living by the life of another. Living by the faith of another. You know, we look while we're there. I want you to look here. You know, I said that it pleased God to mar him. He was marred in the hands of the potter. So you really don't know how completely true that is. When Jesus was in the garden, he said, If it be possible, Father, let this pass from me. Let this cut pass. But he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. See, and I want you to read here now, verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord, or God, to bruise him or crush him. Who crushed him? His Father. Why? For us. It pleased God to crush him. God hath put him to grief or made him sick. That word grief is sick. God made him sick. Why? So we could be whole. And he says, when you shall make his soul an offering for sin, you will see his seed, and that's us. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hands. He shall see the travail of his soul. When did God see the travail of Jesus' soul? In the garden. God saw the travail of his soul. And was satisfied. It's enough. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he will bear their iniquities. See, all the wrath of God was poured out upon his son for us. Do you know why? 
We're not appointed unto wrath. Because Jesus took all of God's wrath for us. Is that awesome? Is that an exchange that's worth talking about? It says, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because what? Jesus poured out his soul unto death. In the garden he said, Now is my soul troubled even unto death. That's where he paid the price for us to have a new soul. And I pray your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole what? Body. Be blameless at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 1. Oh, thank you, Lord. says, verse 5, And from Jesus, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten from the dead. The what? Does that mean there's going to be more? He's the first. Many more sons and daughters. First begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. He was the first begotten of many more to make us kings and priests unto our God. See, we're a whole new creation. We've been exchanged into a brand new thing. Now I want us to look at something. God's purpose for us is that we be conformed to the image of his very son. But it's not just that we, because we are in his son. We're living by the life of the son of God. Paul said, the life I now live I live by the life of the Son of God. And I live by the faith of the Son of God. Whose faith? It's the Son of God. We live by His life. We live by His faith. Everything we have is in Him. We have nothing apart from Him. If we just learn to make the exchange, I'm not who I was. I've been made new. I'm a new creation in Christ. That's who we are. See, that's not just a good song we sing. That's the absolute gospel truth, what we sang a while ago. It is the truth that we, everything we have is in him. Now, Second Peter here, he starts off in verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them have attained, obtained, where'd you get it? Like precious faith. Where'd you get it? From him. Obtained like precious faith. With us, through the righteousness of God, God made us righteousness. He, Jesus was made sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. That's your exchange. 2 Corinthians 5.21. And our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. According as his divine power. His what? Divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that pertains to life and godliness, we was given as a gift. Everything. Even the knowledge. And he says, through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue. We've been called to glory and virtue. Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these promises we might be partakers of his divine nature. By these what? Promises. We might be partaker, having escaped the corruption, the old man that's in the world through lust. Now, and besides this, give diligence and add to your faith. Where did you get your faith? It's been given to you. Your faith's been given to you. Add virtue, knowledge, temperance, godliness, all these things. But you know what? I want you to see something he told me. 
He said, all these promises are not to inform you, but to transform you. Let me say that again. All these promises in this book are not just to inform us of anything. It's to transform us into his very image by the promises that he's given us. We beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, 2 Corinthians 3.18, are being transformed, and that word metamorphosis means exchanged, into the same image as by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to bring us and make us through his divine promises to transform us, not inform us. Too much of the church has been informed, not transformed. It's not about information. It's about transformation, which is what? Exchange. These promises, so we might be a partaker of his divine nature. How? Exchange. The promise is given to transform us into not another image, his very image. We are the body of Christ and members one of another. We're not another body. We are his body. See, we're in him. So we've got to make, the click has to happen where we no longer live for ourselves but him which died and rose again. When he died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he was raised, we were raised, right? When he ascended, we ascended. When he sat down, we sat down. Ephesians chapter 2, we've been made to sit with him, not beside him. We've been made to sit with him in heavenly places. And when he comes, we'll come with him to get the rest of us. You with me? We're seated with him already. But one day... We're coming back to get the rest of us. If we live that long, sounds a little complicated. No, it isn't. It's so simple. He paid it all. All to him we owe. We are living by the faith and the life of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us that he might redeem us a brand new creation in Christ. A brand new start. If any man in Christ, he is a what? The Message Bible says you get a fresh start. You get a fresh start. It's it's a restart. Old things are passed away. And behold what? All things are become new. But the promises are not just to inform us, but to transform us. Then he says, add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, godliness, brother, kindly, charity, patience. And he says, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of God. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, be diligent, fast, speed, to make your calling and your election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance will be ministered abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then Paul goes on to say what? I'm not going to be negligent to always remind you of these things. See, that's my job, to remind you every week of who you really are and whose you really are and where you got it and where you're going and what you to do. See, we've got to be reminded on a regular basis, right? We've got to be reminded who we are because the devil will always try to remind you who you were. Sometimes we listen to more who we were than who we are. You know, read, sometimes you get a little time off. Take, read Romans 5. With the light of the new man, five times it says much more, much more, much more. We know what Adam is. Yeah, we just take that, but it says much more. Are you this than you were that? 
Why is it so we easily identify with the old and not the new? Much more. They that receive grace and truth. So see, he wants us to know who we are so we can go on. Add all of these things. First Timothy. You know, I was thinking about this. First Timothy 6, 521. Uh, let, let's look at that for just a second. You know, we're so caught up in a world that is battling right now with money and what's going to happen and who's in charge. And You know what I'm talking about. How many of you know what I'm talking about? First Timothy chapter 6. You've got to change the way you think. I guess it would help if I got in the right book. See, that's why I don't like to turn to things. I just like to quote them. It's too, this is too much trouble. <laughs> I do this for your sake. Amen. Uh, verse 3 says, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, verse 3 of uh, 6, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the doctrines according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing but doubting about questions of strife words, Whereof cometh envy, strife, railing, and evil, evil surmising. See, all that stuff, dis- perverse disputings of men, corrupt mind, that's the old man, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. Supposing that what? Have you ever heard any teaching talking about gain is godliness? Huh? Gain is godliness? You're blessed, you're prosperous, so that proves that you're godly. Come on now, don't shut me down. We talk about the money part, but what about success in this world? Is that godliness by the world standards? What about numbers? What about size of churches? Is that necessary uh, a seal that it's prospering? By the world standards. That gain is godliness. But what does he say? From such withdraw yourself. But godliness with contentment is great grain. For we brought nothing into this world. Certain we can carry nothing out. That's a new creation. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into a temptation and a snare, into many foolish and hurtful lusts, diseased condition of the old soul, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, while some, coveting after it, they have erred from the what? They've erred from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many saws. But, O man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. What kind of fight are we to fight? The good fight of faith. And why? Because all the devil's after is your faith. He really don't care about nothing else about you. His only thing that concerns him is your faith. That's all. That's why it doesn't say fight the good fight of anything else. It says fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life where you are called. Fight the good fight. What is the faith? It's faith in what Christ has done for you. It's that persuasion of what Christ has already purchased for you. And it says many shall depart from the faith in the, in the latter times. Depart from what? Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And I'm, while I'm here, I'm just going to go ahead and say it again. 
if, if you watch a lot of TV programs and you see all this stuff going back to the Jew, Jewish roots, going back to all the feasts and all the stuff that you're to keep, prayer shawls and all this other stuff, all you're doing is departing from the faith and giving heed to a seducing spirit. Now put that in your pipe and smoke it. I'm, I'm just real clear on that. I want to tell you something. Paul spent a lot of times in Galatians and a lot of other books. If you just read the book, you'd realize real quick that any time you go back to something other than Christ, you've fallen from grace and you've left the faith and you've gone back into legalism and works. And by the works of the law, no man is justified in the sight of God for the just shall live by Your battle is to hold to the faith that Jesus took care of every bit of it, and it's finished. Nothing you can add, nothing you can take away. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life whereunto thou art called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Why did he say that? Every book to the church, he had to encourage him not to go back to law or legalism. Every one of them. He spent time, probably more time in the Galatian church than any of the rest of them. Why did he do that? Because the tendency was to go back to the works of the old man trying to be justified itself. Jesus made it clear, he that tries to save his own soul will lose it. In the church, we've spent too many years teaching everybody to try to save your old soul. We talked about it this morning, that, that most people believe sanctification is a progressional thing. You get a little more sanctified all the time. That's not the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is that you are sanctified once forever. By one offering, Jesus has sanctified you forever. There is no progressive sanctification. There is a growing and a maturing and growing up into the fullness of Christ. The Holy Ghost is trying to do for us. But every place you look at sanctification through the scripture, this is God's will, even your sanctification. Every place you've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus once for all. Everything you have is in past tense. It is finished means it is finished. You can't add anything to it. And it's all about his faith. We've got to live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us to redeem us from all this so we could enjoy the benefits of what he paid for. But the whole enemy's job is try to sow some doubt and unbelief in you concerning it is finished. If you get a hold of that fight of faith, you got the rest of it pretty well won. Because what? Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. First Peter. What is the end of your faith? Salvation of your soul. He is able to save to the uttermost. What does uttermost mean? And my Bible says he's able to keep that which he's committed unto me against that day. Right? another scripture 1 John 5 8 I think it says it says that which is born of God says he that's born of God keepeth himself and the wicked one cannot touch him I don't like that translation I'll tell you why you can't keep yourself you know what the Greek says he that's begotten of God God keeps him and the wicked one cannot touch him it's too much of this trying to keep yourself you start trying to keep yourself you're going to be in a heap of trouble See, God keeps you and the wicked one can't touch you. That which is born of God, that new creation Jesus paid for, Satan cannot touch that new man. 
All he can do is try to pull you back into the old thing that you were, your old thinking, your old reasoning. And then when he does that, he's got you. There's no middle ground. You're either serving God or you're serving the devil. Too many people in this world think that I'm my own, my own, my own, I own myself. We, fit, we talked about that this morning. No, you don't own yourself. Either Satan owns you or God owns you. There's no middle ground. You can't sit here and choose which way you want to go. If you hadn't chosen, you're already on the wrong way. You're already there. But see, that's not what he died for. So he could make us a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life. You know, I think there's this one scripture. Uh, I'd like to read it in the message, but I don't have it. But in Luke 21, I think it's verse 24. Uh, the Message Bible is a little clear, but I'll read it in this one. Anybody have a Message Bible? Huh? Well, just a second. Because I want him to back up what I'm saying here. Luke 21, verses 34. All right. He says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, so that that day come upon you unaware. For a snare will it come on all them that dwell on the face of the earth. Now, I want to tell you something right here. Lest your hearts be overcharged. Now, the old heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, right? It can't be saved. That's why he says in Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six, God will give you a new heart. And he'll put his word in your heart. And he'll put his love in your heart. And you'll know him. So when you get overcharged, it's usually not the new heart. Give me an Amen. But how many of you know you can't let your old heart get overcharged with it? And see, that's what Rod did a while ago to me. Y'all didn't know it, but he did. All those songs a while ago was all about the mountains and the lakes and the rivers and the streams. Because he knows that's where we're going in a couple of weeks. So his heart's back here on mountains and rivers and streams. And I said, Rod, that was mass distraction on your part for me. Making me look at all those mountains and those streams and those rivers. Because, you know, that's, this is a far cry from that. See, don't let your heart get overcharged with all that stuff. And he, say, he goes on to say, For a snare will it come on all them that dwell on the first face of the earth. But watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things and stand before the Son of Man. See, up in the Message Bible, it says what? Take heed lest your hearts be overcharged. And one of the things, women, it says is shopping. Does it say shopping there? Oh, now look. Is it there? There it is. You got it? Women, you got it. Now, men got to all the rest of them. But y'all got the shopping. The partying, the drinking, and all that other stuff. But the shopping ones, you got to not let your heart get overcharged with shopping. So that, that it's a snare. See, it's a snare. That mall is a snare. That mall is a snare. Pam's shaking her head. <laughs> I, I just throwing that out just as, you know, as a, you know my heart. But see, it's so easy for us to get overcharged with whatever. It's so easy. You know, that's why I said Proverbs says, keep your heart with all diligence. 
See, it says, you know, just Lot vexed his righteous soul from day to day, hearing and seeing all the unlawful deeds they were doing. And God gives you a righteous soul and a righteous heart. But I want to tell you something. The same as we can grieve the Holy Spirit, we can grieve your righteous soul and your righteous heart. It won't go there, but it can grieve it. So let's see. You know, what does it say? A double-minded man is what? Unstable. Unstable in all his ways. And so we live in this world that's constantly trying to pull us back into this old life of, of, of this letting your heart be overcharged. I didn't tell the guys at the coffee shop. It's so easy for us to get on all the, those in authority, the government and all Obama and all this stuff that's going on. It don't matter what it is, what the issue is. You got no business going there and getting all upset about it. Obama wouldn't be in the office if God hadn't allowed him to be there. And, and he says, pray for those in authority. Our job is to pray for those in authority, not to criticize and do all this. If God put him there, it's because we needed him for some reason. Okay? Don't let your heart get all bent out of shape over all that. You know, he's the author and finisher of our faith. If you be risen with Christ, Colossians says, set your mind on things above. For you're dead. Do you tell me the mind of Christ has all been out of shape over Obama? I'm sorry. I'm just telling you the truth. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you're dead, and your life is hid in Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify, put to death, deaden that old thing. He said, put it to death. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. And he says, put on the new man. Put off the old man. Put on the new man. Now, you know what? Paul wouldn't say that if we didn't have the ability to do that. And if we didn't need to do that, he wouldn't have said that. He says, put off the deeds of the old man. Put on the new man, which is created in God, Christ's image of righteousness and true holiness. Put it on and make no provision for the what? Flesh. To fulfill the lust thereof. It's not who you are. It's who you were. Because you're dead and you're in Christ. See, everything we have is in Christ. All your life, all your faith, all your sanctification. 1 Corinthians 1.30 if you want to read it. But of him are you in Christ, who has made unto you wisdom and sanctification. Get it up there. 1 Corinthians 1.30. I want to read it to you. Do you know probably 90% of Christians think that you get your spirit born again, but you sanctify your soul a little every day by not doing things? That, that sanctification is progressive? Life in the pit of hell. Let me say it again. That's a life in the pit of hell. Your sanctification is of God. He's made you sanctified once for all. See, look here. Of him are you in Christ? Are you, what's the word in Christ? In Christ. Of Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Just as you have redemption, you have sanctification, you have righteousness, and you have wisdom, and it's all of God. God did it. Why? Because the next verse, the one before, that no flesh would glory in his presence. That no flesh would glory in his presence. So what's he saying? This whole thing is about him, not us. And it, we're, we're completing him. Can you imagine what the church ought to look like if we fully understand our redemption, spirit, soul, and body? 
We would be lights. We would be salt. We talked about all creation, Romans 8. It's groaning and travailing in pain, waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God. Waiting. It's not that there's not sons of God. But see, the, the lifting off of the veil, the blindness, that's over most sons' uh, eyes to the fullness. You know, they had to put a veil over Moses, and he was under the law. They couldn't stand to look at him because of the law. Wow. What should we have now as new born-again Christians? What kind of light? Huh? The glory doesn't go out. Because you know who is your glory? If you've ever stored it, Christ is your glory. Christ is the express image of the Father. He is the glory of the Father, the Godhead. And you are complete in him. Oh, Lord. Mm, it's good. Let me go another verse. I might get through today. I don't know. Hebrews 10.35, one of Steve's verse, best verses. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Now he that cometh will come and will not tarry, but the just shall live by? The just shall live by what? What's the just going to live by? And faith worketh by what? Love. Faith worketh by love. The just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. But we are not of those that draw back to perdition, but those that believe to the saving of the soul. But what's the old essence here? The just shall live by what? His faith. The faith of the Son of God, who loved us and gave himself for us. How many times did he say to his disciples, Where is your faith? They thought, he said, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. They thought he's talking about bread. He said, why are you worried about bread? Didn't you just see what we just left? We fed all these thousands of people and we took up 12 loaves. Why are you concerned about bread? Where's your faith? He said, beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees. I'm telling you something. This doctrine of the Pharisees is alive and well today. Yes. It's very alive and well. And it's that same spirit that was working then is working now. And just be careful how you, how you handle all this stuff. You, you know, I, I'm usually not real vocal about a lot of things. A lot of you said even a while ago I was talking about all that's going on in the world. You won't catch me ranting and raving about all that stuff. But I'm telling you something. As your pastor, I've got to warn you. And I've said this. I'd rather my grandkids play with rattlesnakes as to get into the doctrine of, of uh, Judaism for a Christian. You say, that's pretty stout, Pastor. Yes, it is real stout. Because you're saved by grace through faith and faith alone. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, and no one comes to the Father but through him. You can't add one thing to it. Now, I know it looks really innocent, but I'm telling you, it's a trap. To pull you back in. That's more dangerous to me than all this stuff that you're being tempted with around. Because you know what? He says if you go back into that stuff, you've fallen from grace. And you're saved by grace through faith. And if you quit believing that, you've gone back to trying to earn it. 
I don't know the consequences. I do know one thing. That which is born of God cannot sin. For his seed remains in you, and you cannot sin. I don't know how all that works. But you know what? If you've got a healthy dose of the fear of the Lord, you're not going to find out. And if you don't have a healthy dose of the fear of the Lord, you better get one. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Oh, thank you, Lord. Wow. Hmm? It's the beginning of wisdom. Well, part three. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for your word today. And Lord, just help us to see that when you sit down, you said it's finished. And everything pertaining to us has been paid for in full. Nothing to be added, nothing to be taken away. And Jesus, we thank you for paying it all. And forgive us for moving back and forth and, and trying to think and reason out things. Lord, help us to do what Paul said in Second Corinthians, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ that every thought we have needs to center around the faith that you've given us and the life you've given us and see if it holds up in that light of your faith and your life. And, Lord, I just thank you for your life. I thank you for your faith. I thank you for your sanctification, your redemption, your justification, all the things you've done for us. Lord, I ask you to give us eyes to see what you've done for us. And you said if we walk in that light, we'll have fellowship with you and the blood will continually cleanse us from all the things in us that needs to be cleansed. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.